Welcome to today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. I'm Paul Gatling. Fayetteville tech firm AcreTrader is starting the year with some big news in the form of a serious investment. The company announced this week that it's raised $40 million in Series B funding. It's the second funding round closed in less than a year. And since the company launched in 2018, AcreTrader's total funding now stands at $58 million. AcreTrader is an online farmland investment platform that helps lower the barrier of farmland ownership for people who aren't experts in investing. Over the past year, AcreTrader has grown the business over five times, worked with investors and farmers from all 50 states, and offered the first international opportunities in Australia. The company had about 15 employees this time a year ago. That number is now at 70 and climbing. Coming up, we'll hear from Governor Asa Hutchinson, the term-limited Republican who is beginning his final year in office. That's after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Governor Asa Hutchinson was the guest for the full half hour on Sunday's episode of Talk Business and Politics with Roby Brock. Their conversation touched on various topics, including the public health front in Arkansas. The Omicron, uh, the variant is raging across Arkansas. We're seeing numbers higher than we've seen at any point during the pandemic. This was a quote from you earlier in the week about the record case numbers that it, it tells us we're entering a period of probably the greatest risk and the greatest challenge that we faced uh, during the pandemic. What's the greatest challenge that we are facing? We faced a lot of challenges in the last 22 months. What's greater today? Well, it's uh, the same on hospitalizations. You can measure the record number of cases, which is a great concern in itself. But with the Omicron having less severe consequences, as we saw with Delta, you have to really just look at the hospitalizations. And uh, right now, uh, we are still uh, uh, almost you know, one third less than we were in hospitalizations as compared to the peak of the uh, uh, last uh, Delta pandemic, uh, whenever we were up to over 1,400 uh, hospitalizations. But the, the difference is that uh, the staffing shortages are probably even greater because of uh, so many having Omicron that uh, they're having to miss work, and that impacts hospital workers. So the shortage of staff strains the system, and then you've got the usual health care needs as well. So uh, the hospital staff uh, are healthcare system is just worn out. Uh, there, uh, I know how difficult this is for them to manage this. And so we look for ways to support that, but that's the biggest challenge. And 
the sheer volume of cases is what worries you as to how whether that's going to overflood the system or whether we're going to be able to manage it because the consequences are less severe. Uh, you've encouraged vaccinations. We're still not where we want to be on that, but that's been part of the strategy. Wash your hands, keep your distance, wear a mask. Uh, a lot of people will argue that it is not working, that we should do more. To convince me that what you're doing is working with the numbers that we're seeing. Well, first, let's go back and people, I, I hear it too, do something, do something. Uh, you've got to do more. Look at this uh, high number of cases. Well, okay, let's think it through. What sh action do you want me to take? I mean, the options that I guess could be considered would be a, a shutdown order. Uh, everybody shelter in place like they do in China or uh, they have done in some places, but not even New York is doing uh, shelter in place. So that's off the table. It's impractical. It's not going to happen. It doesn't work. Uh, secondly, uh, you can uh, close all the schools. Uh, I think that is a terrible idea. The schools will make decisions to go uh, virtual as needed when their case counts up. But I think if we've learned any lesson uh, during this uh, history that uh, schools need to be open and our kids suffer and our parents, I mean, it's just bad for our students whenever we don't have our schools open for in-classroom instruction. You're saying it's been bad socially for them. It's been bad academically for them. Uh, mentally for them, socially for them, developmentally for them. What about health-wise for them? And, and health-wise, uh, they're doing fine. Okay. I mean, <laughs> sure, they get COVID, and we uh, obviously there's some that get it more severe than others, but it's a very, very small part of it. And so, no, you don't shut down the schools on a statewide basis. And so the third thing would be a, a vaccine mandate. Well, we're challenging the federal government vaccine mandate uh, right now in court that that's not a good option nationally. We could do that at the state. Of course, you'd have to have legislative support, which you can't get. So that option is really not realistic. And it's not fully bad for our students whenever we don't have our schools open for in-classroom instruction. You're saying it's been bad socially for them. It's been bad academically for them. Uh, mentally for them, socially for them, developmentally for them. What about health-wise for them? And, and health-wise, uh, they're doing fine. Okay. I mean, <laughs> sure, they get COVID, and we uh, obviously there's some that get it more severe than others, but it's a very, very small part of it. And so, no, you don't shut down the schools on a statewide basis. And so the third thing would be a, a vaccine mandate. Well, we're challenging the federal government vaccine mandate uh, right now in court that that's not a good option nationally. We could do that at the state. Of course, you'd have to have legislative support, which you can't get. So that option is really not realistic and it's not fully accepted enough to even justify it. Uh, and whenever you're looking at the consequences to our health care system and to our uh, long-term care facilities, thinking about the shortage of staff, if you put that in place, that would even have a greater consequence health-wise. And so the fourth uh, option would be a mask mandate statewide. Well, again, that has to have legislative support. Uh, it has no enforcement mechanism. Uh, and so, you know, the, the steps that can be taken are not practical and not realistic. Uh, and so we are active, though. But those are the ones that people talk about, but they're not uh, workable. So what are we doing? We're increasing testing. We've called, brought the National Guard uh, to help the hospitals in the throughput on our PCR testing. 
I've ordered 1.5 uh, million at-home tests. We're one of the early states to take that kind of initiative. Uh, as we speak, I hope that they will uh, be in our hands and we will uh, be delivering them uh, next week. Uh, we've taken those steps in terms of a hospitalization support. Uh, we're ready to pull the trigger as needed for additional uh, staffing support for the hospitals. Uh, you know, it's probably a $60 million investment. Uh, it means you bring contract nurses in from out of state. Uh, and we may have to do that, but it's not one that you do immediately. Uh, you measure it and, uh, you know, we're looking at a thousand hospitalizations is probably the trigger point that we're going to have to do something uh, in terms of greater support for it. So we are doing something every day uh, to manage our way through this, but we can't be impractical or unrealistic. Governor Hutchinson also discussed other topics in the interview, including the January 6th U.S. Capitol attacks and a potential run for the White House in 2024. We've got that interview for you online over at our sister website at talkbusiness.net. In other headlines this week, company analysts say J.B. Hunt should see annual revenue exceed $10 billion for the first time when it releases its fourth quarter and full year earnings next week. And Amazon's plan for a possible delivery station warehouse in Lowell will likely mean more same-day deliveries for Northwest Arkansas consumers. And United Way of Northwest Arkansas, one of the oldest nonprofit groups in the region, named Helena Gaddison as its new board chair. She is the first woman and first African-American to lead the local United Way board. For those stories and more, visit nwabusinessjournal.com, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. <music>